When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Is hit in the air to left center field. Robles calling for it. He's under and waiting. And he makes the catch. He makes the catch. Bang. Zoom go the fireworks. A National League championship winning. Curly W is in the box. And for the first time since You can follow Nick and Ryan on Twitter at DC Natchak, and you can follow the show at Half Street High Heat. And we are doing this for the DMV Sports Network. You can follow them on Twitter and Instagram at DMV underscore SN. And uh, how are you guys doing? What a week. Why, what happened? What a week. Yeah. <laughs> Why, what, what happened? What's going on, guys? <laughs> <laughs> My TV froze. Did something happen? <laughs> Nice. So unbelievable. As you know, the last time we recorded, I was on my way to the stadium for game four. It didn't suck. I'll throw that out there. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it thoroughly, although the eighth inning took a, a year off my life. But it was uh, it was quite a game indeed. So before we get into that, um, Ryan, can we have your weekend recap? Yeah, um, it was a very, very quiet for the least. Um, the Marlins don't even know if they're a real team or not. The Phillies are still searching for a manager. The Mets are still searching for a manager. Still talking about trade, trading J.D. Davis. We're hearing more reports about the uh, Phillies managerial search than we are hearing about the Mets managerial search as the Phillies have brought in, I think, two candidates twice already. Um, the Cubs are about to get their coach. The Yankees, again, shot the bed. Um, in the playoffs, as they love to do so very much. And the Braves are the only team in the National League East who has not made the World Series since the change of the millennium, in case you want to throw something else in their face. And, um, yeah, the Nats did literally nothing this week, absolutely nothing exciting. They, I guess they swept, which is cool in the NLCS. But, yeah, 
Nothing really going on for the Nats this week. Uh, other than that, so I would like to point out that uh, I was talking about the Braves, that Freddie Freeman had elbow surgery, so that explains why he was not himself in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, there was that. Jesus. And then, uh, yeah, just, just a comment. Just a comment. I do, despite myself, like Freddie Freeman, even though I can't stand the Braves. But oh, and uh, I did like your your use of the word "shat" was very nice as well. I wanted <laughs> to compliment you on that. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. So let's talk about the ALCS game four, a sweep in the ALCS. I'm sorry, not ALCS, NLCS for the Nats. Um, so before we move on to talk about the game from last night. Um, I just wanted to kind of go over, did you guys watch from home? Did you go out? What was your experience of the game? If I'm not watching, like, sports in the stadium, I just like to watch them at home. I hate going to, like, restaurants and bars. It really irritates me. So I was just in my regular spot where I watched all the other games with my secret uh, good luck outfit on because I'm not superstitious at all. I'm just a little stitious. So that's where I was watching it at. Nice. What about you, Nick? Um, yeah, I'm kind of the same way. So uh, when it comes to baseball, I much prefer to be at home, and that's usually for playoff games too. Uh, the game five in LA was just like a like just a exception to the rule because obviously I was in California at the time. But otherwise, I like watching at home. I don't even like going to the sports bar or anything, uh, mainly because I actually know baseball. So if I hear dumb fans, whether they're Nats fans or not, like it drives me crazy if they're like if it's like O2 pitch and Scherzer bounces one they're like oh like they say some like clever thing that they think is like the right thing and I'm like no you're supposed to like not give him a pitch hit that's just an example but it just drives me crazy so I, I just uh -huh. watch from home so I can just focus on the Nats if it's like the Caps like I don't know hockey all that like all that well like the ins and outs I just enjoy watching it as like a cat well not a casual fan, but you know what I mean. So that's kind of different. But for my Nats, now I, I watch from home, uh, and I like it that way. So, Yeah, I can understand that. I find when I go out, it, it's not just the being out that bothers me. It's the people expecting me to, like, talk to them and be social. I'm like, God damn it, I'm trying to watch a game. <laughs> yeah. Stop talking to me. I'm watching the baseball game. So, yeah, that's hard. But I was uh, there for that one, but typically I just either go to the games or watch from home, too. I'm not much of a sports bar person. Cool. Well, quite a game it was. Did you tell me the truth? What were your thoughts during that eighth inning? Did you think Daniel Hudson was going to hold it together when the bases were loaded? <laughs> you know, I wasn't that stressed out during the eighth inning. I don't know if it was just because, like, they were up 3 nothing in the series. Or I was kind of like, well, you know, if he blows it, it's all right. They'll just go out and play tomorrow. But, like, I wasn't that stressed in it. Or either that or just. Daniel Hudson is just a god now, and I never fear that he's going to do poorly. <laughs> it's one of those two things, no in-between. There's no other options. <laughs> what about you, Nick? Um, yeah, I mean, I think for me it was because we were up 3-0 in the series, so it wasn't like that intensity that you would get, like, basically in every if other... they were on the eighth, of elimination. Right, every other Nats eighth inning in history in the playoffs. It just seems like there's so much on the line, but this time we were actually up, and there was n not as much pressure, and you could tell that Hudson and the Nats in general um, kind of felt that way too. They were just playing loose. Uh, Ryan's been saying it all, all uh, off or postseason, so I'm just going to copy him. They've been playing with house money. No one expected him to be here and 
no one expected them to be up 3-0. So going into game four, they obviously had that awesome first inning. So they were just able to play so loose and calm and uh, really a good good brand of baseball. And uh, I just want to say, like, I ended last episode by saying I hope Patrick Corbin, like, redeemed himself. Yes, he gave up four runs, but I, I... I was completely happy with his performance. I mean, he struck out 12 in like five innings. Uh, it was insane. That, yeah, he, he was A-plus stuff. Um, yeah, one bad inning, one small hiccup. But, I mean, he was dynamite, so I have no problem with that. And I have all the confidence uh, in him going into the World Series. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that first inning was like nothing I've ever seen. Literally. I saw a stat about Patrick Corbin. Um I think it was like he was the first, yeah, he's the first pitcher in MLB history with 10 Ks through the first four innings in the postseason game. Yep. And like the Nats had a lot of stats like that, but he started off really hot. Then Patrick Corbin always has that one inning where he just, for some reason, loses his command and it's either going to be, all right, just no one run or it's going to be a lot of runs. But love it, even in not his quote-unquote best start, he still did something no pitcher's ever done before. Yeah, it was extraordinary. And I, I couldn't even believe it during that inning. I was just I was looking at my husband like, is this real life right now? Are we, <laughs> this hap- are we about to sweep the championship series? And, of course, they, uh, they made it a game by the end. Um, you know, and you have to give some credit to the Cardinals. They didn't just roll over and die after that absolutely awful first inning for yeah. them. But, um it was it was a hell of a game and and uh, yeah I I know they were up three zero and if they had lost that game they could have you know come out and won it the next day but the the stress and the uh, the tension in the stadium during that that uh, eighth inning was intense for sure I I can only imagine because I mean yeah obviously you wanted it to be done in game four you didn't want to let the series go on more than it, it needed to be um, but this might sound dumb. But it was obviously best case scenario winning in four games. But best case scenario, just if you treat it like one day at a time, um, like they their whole slogan has this whole uh, postseason go one and zero today. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, winning game four and it wasn't they didn't let the narrative shift that's kind of what i'm getting at if the cardinals had won that game then like you get the kind of chatter like all right can the cardinals win another one blah 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 blah. but the nats didn't let that happen they closed out then and there uh i mean obviously hudson had uh, a bit of a wild ride in in closing out the game but i mean best case scenario they closed it out got it done punch a world series ticket i mean couldn't really ask for much more did you see Hudson afterwards? Uh, he gave an interview to somebody at the Washington Post. I can't remember who wrote it, but said that he told them he absolutely hates closing. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> That's what we need. Our, to solve yeah. our closing problems, we need a guy who hates closing. I love it. I know. It's so funny. I saw the article, and he's like, you know, when I first got here, I'd never really been in that role, and then Doolittle got hurt, and Davey was like, well, we're just going to – you know, you're the hot hand right now. We're just going to use you in that role until Doolittle gets back. And then he's like, and then Doolittle gets back, and I still have to do it. He, like, fully hates closing. It's so funny. Yeah, and then Hudson has a baby specifically so he doesn't have to close in the postseason. And then, yeah, it was an, it was incredible planning considering where he was at the time when I know. that baby was conceived. It was Genius. impressive. Genius of him to plan that just so he doesn't have to close a postseason game. Yeah, pretty smart. Pretty smart. All right, well, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about the ALCS. 
Um, obviously, that ended last night with a uh, pretty in, in pretty spectacular fashion. Did you guys watch the whole game? Yeah, I did. It was a uh, pretty well. I mean, because I was rooting for the Yankees because I want I wanted the ALCS to go seven. That way, we could miss Garrett Cole at least in the first two games uh-huh. of the World Series. Um, not that I wanted the Yankees to to win the series, but. Uh, for that reason, obviously, to help the Nats and gives the Nats a little bit more time off or uh, and whatnot. But, um, I mean, yeah, great game. Obviously, that was a wild, wild ending with the Yankees coming back to tie it and then Altuve doing what he did. Pretty awesome stuff. I love baseball. Me too. Baseball's uh, awesome. That game was just peak playoff baseball at its finest. Like, there is great defensive plays, bad base running. Gary Sanchez sucks. Um, oh, he's so bad. The drama so in the ninth bad. inning. The worst defensive catch I've ever seen in my life. Um, and then the drama in the ninth inning, capped off by Jose Altuve with like his entire story, just became that much better. With the five yeah. seven dude, they didn't want to sign him. Told he was too short, and then came out the next day. I was like, "F you guys, you're gonna sign me anyways." And then now he's literally a legend in Houston. So that was such a great game to watch. I caught like the end of you it, that- but it was great. I mean, that's the, the fun somebody made it. Sorry, go ahead, Nick. No, I was just going to say that was the most fun part. So if you were going to catch a part of it, obviously the ending is the best part to catch. But <laughs> yes, go ahead. That was. Well, it was a really long game, so I would recommend just catching the end, actually. But no, did you see that? There's that picture that's been going around forever of um, Aaron Judge oh, and Altuve yeah. standing next to each other. At the, I think it was at the All-Star game, and somebody Photoshopped it to have Altuve, like, towering over Judge. <laughs> uh, one thing about that game that's not – really being talked about and we don't have to get too far into it but if you are a noted scumbag in this league you will get a karma will come around to get you both ozuna and chapman both had <laughs> both blew the game so just wanted to point that out yeah don't hit women or the baseball guys will punish you is the lesson here right? so. yeah your pitches will get hit harder <laughs> Well, all right, so that was a really cool game. And, you know, I was rooting for the Yankees for a couple of reasons. One, because I wanted to see the teams, whoever we saw, as exhausted and their pitching as tired as possible for the series, the World Series. But also because my next-door neighbor, who's a good family friend, is a huge Yankees fan, and he was here last night watching the game with us. And when they came back in the ninth, he was so excited. And then, of course, El Tuve happened. And after he left shortly afterwards, I was like, I, I love our neighbor. But seeing Yankees fans get crushed like that makes me so happy. <laughs> it should, uh, it should, should help secondary uh, market ticket prices too, just a little bit. But we'll see. Yeah, I think it probably will. You won't have people. There'll be a lot fewer uh, Houston fans here than there would have been New York fans. If they get right. New York fans are insufferable, so that makes me happy. Yeah, exactly. All right, so we've already sort of started talking about it a little bit, but let's do a World Series preview. I can't believe we're even saying that out loud. It's insane. Oh, man. So, I mean, I guess we can start. Who do we think is going to be on the roster? Do we think anything's going to shake up differently for the Nats? The only thing that I can, like, really think of that will be different is maybe, like, because of the weather forecast for this weekend, they might add in like Voss or like another one of those guys who can eat up a lot of innings in case the mm-hmm. game starts and then there's a long rain delay. But I feel like they may just be like, you know what? This is what's working. This is what we're going to do. 
Maybe they'll add an extra bat. They could go the complete opposite way, add an extra bat because they're going to have four games, potentially four games in Nail Park with the DH. But I don't really expect that much of a shakeup roster-wise. Like, Swear is still going to be left off. Um, I think Strickland's still going to be left off. And they're just going to keep it the same. Can I tell you my you big think- one? Yeah, mm-hmm. let's hear it. And, I mean, it's not a surprise, but I think if the Nats, which they should be doing, it's the World Series, for Christ's sakes, if they think outside the box or just think a little bit extra into who they keep on the roster, they need to take Adams off. And oh, yeah. I, I would I would replace him with Stevenson because Stevenson is a lefty bat. Granted, he's not the power guy, but Adams hasn't been doing you anything. Um, so at, Stevenson's the lefty bat. Plus, he's a pinch runner, which I feel like there's been a couple of times throughout the playoffs where we could have been like, ah, oh, man, if only we had a pinch runner right here. Because obviously Robles was hurt, so Michael A. Taylor was starting, and you don't really have that pinch runner. So I really wish or hope they include Stevenson and leave Adams off because Stevenson ha- is more than just one-dimensional. I think that's actually a really good one. I, I think that would be a, a really decent substitution. Adams really hasn't done anything. And Stevenson maybe doesn't give you that power, but he also gives you, I think, a better chance to just be on base if you have to use him. And I'd rather have that than a than a power guy in a series right. like this where I, with this kind of pitching, we're going to have to manufacture runs. And I think Stevenson gives you a better choice. Right, because let's say that. Uh, I'm not wishing it whatsoever. I'm going to knock on wood right now. But let's say Zim gets hurt at all, even if it's just for a small amount of time. Adams is not the move there. You move Howie to no. first, and then you put in Dozier or Cabrera, depending on who who you prefer. So if Adams isn't your primary backup to Zim, and he's not even your first bat off the bench, then what value is he really providing? His one dimension isn't even being utilized. So I would 100% go Stevenson, and I hope that's what they do. I could see it. Ryan, you mentioned maybe um, bringing Voth or somebody on board. Who do you think would come out of the roster if they did that? Just looking at it, I, I don't like Matt Adams. Made it very, very clear that I don't. I don't really understand his purpose on the roster. Like, if you look at it as a whole, Jan Gomes, sorry, um, Howie Kendrick can play first base, Estrella Cabrera can play first base. Either of the catchers can also play first base. Like, yeah, you pinch, really yeah. need someone for that when the dude hit the ball 350 feet, but he's so freaking slow, he only got a single out of it. And I don't really see his purpose, especially when the majority of your games are going to be played in an AL ballpark. You don't really have as big of a need for a pinch hitter. Like, sorry, Matt Adams. See you, dude. <laughs> like, you, you played your last game as a national. That's a phenomenal point that I honestly wasn't even thinking of is that, yeah, we will have a DH, so the opportunity for a pinch hitter is even less. So props to Ryan for pointing that out. Good job, Ryan. Yay, Ryan. Yay, Ryan. So we just kind of touched on some DH stuff. So now that we've kind of uh, talked roster, what do you guys think? I think Kendrick is the obvious choice to DH to me. What are your, what are you thinking? Yeah, I think yeah, it should. Uh, oh, sorry, Ryan. Uh, it should be 100% no. be Kendrick, uh, and then you put in Dozier or Cabrera. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Dozier has the better glove, but Cabrera being a, a switch hitter, and then you're going up against Cole and Verlander game one and game two. So you'll probably go for Cabrera, but um, go ahead, Ryan. I mean, I, I agree with everything you said. You know, you have a chance to take Howie Kendrick's glove out 
of the game, which is absolutely huge, and you still have his biggest asset, which is his bat, you can only benefit from that. Put Dozier, who's already been your late-inning defensive sub, or go with Cabrera if you want to get a little bit more offense and still a pretty decent glove out there. Yep. I think there's uh, – I don't really think there's any other choice. I can't imagine them doing anything else with the DH. All right. Yeah. So um, let's talk bullpen. Other than – obviously, we know Doolittle and Hudson are going to be the big two out of the bullpen. What do you think? I mean, Rainey has been pretty good. I, yeah, I don't Rainey know how has been really good. We can count good. on that. Yeah, he's been yeah, better than it, I expected. <laughs> and what about Rodney? <laughs> hey, Rodney, again. He, yeah, he's going to make it. I mean, whether no matter what we say, he's going to make the roster. Yeah, and especially if you're going up against the Astros, you're going to have to rely on more than the same two pitchers over and over again. If you keep relying on the same two pitchers, they're just going to keep seeing them better and better and just tee off of them, like we've seen a lot mm-hmm. in the past of the playoffs. Um, Rainey... Again, you never know what you're going to get out of him, but that's the same about the entire bullpen outside those two. Like, I don't trust Rodney. Like, yeah, Rodney has a lot of play experience, so he's going to keep pitching, but who are you going to throw him out there against against their freaking lineup? Like, I just don't see that going well at all in yeah, their lineup any world is whatsoever. No. I've been watching this Yankee series, and I'm like, oh, God, this lineup. I do not look forward to to facing it. And I have to say the hopefully there's a couple of games where we can put up enough runs that you can bring in the guys you know, like Rainey and Rodney that you're not sure about and know that they've got some wiggle room. If they if they don't have it, you can, you know, figure out what to do if they give up a couple of quick runs and you can be like, Okay, I gotta get them out of there. But we just need length out of the starters. There's there's no other way the Nats have a chance in this series than to get pretty much get seven innings out of your right. starters and just that's... about every game. That's been the one blessing we've experienced all or all post. I keep saying off season, all post season. I guess I'm just used to the Nats not playing. Yeah, I know. I was going to say, force of habit, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> the one blessing is that we haven't had that one start where our pitcher hasn't been able to go more than five. Um, yeah, like Corbin went only five in the the clincher, but I mean that was kind of the the situation, not necessarily his performance. Um, so we haven't had to face that, thankfully. But look at that. When our starters give us length, we perform very, very well. Like, it's not a shocker there. Um, so obviously, if we want to put up a fight in the World Series, we're going to need length out of our starters, like Amanda, you said. Yeah, and this this lineup makes me nervous because they, you know, when you, you have to get the third time through the order to go that kind of length for your starter. And those guys see pitching really well the third time through the order. So it's going to be a real, it's going to be a challenge. But what is, what is it they say? You got to, what is it? You got to be the, to be the best, you got to beat the best. And I think the Astros are who we all thought was going to come out of the, out of the American League. So the, the shock isn't the Astros. The shock is the Nationals coming out of the National League. Yeah. And I mean, I love the Astros, but obviously I'm rooting for the Nats here. Um, the one thing I'll say Oh, going back to the bullpen a little bit is that I don't know maybe I'm overthinking it but the Astros are definitely in my head with this whole like pitch tipping thing because it seems like no matter mm-hmm. who they play they find something on a pitcher uh, I think it was Paxton in game two um, they found something on him and the Yankees literally pulled him after like an inning and two thirds because the Astros found something on him and he, he was like in danger of being very ineffective. Um, so 
I don't know if that means you should, if you do need to go to the bullpen, if you should go to someone like Rodney over Rainey because Rodney's been here, done that. Um, he can make his pitches look the same, whether it's where he holds his glove or his arm slot, whatever. And Rainey being a young guy, he might not know what he's doing or might not know what he's doing that's tipping his pitches. So maybe I'm just overthinking it because it's the Astros, it's the World Series. Obviously, this is what you play for. Um, but I, I don't know. It's a lot that a lot more that goes into um, your bullpen decisions. World Series alone, but when playing a team like the Astros, because, I mean, they do their homework. They know exactly who they're playing, exactly who they're facing uh, every single time. Yeah, yeah, they, they seem to have a really, really good um, team. Whoever on their team is in charge of preparing them for their opponent is extremely good at their job. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say so. That, that guy's probably uh, being, prayed, being paid pretty handsomely. Yes, and earning every penny, I would say. Yep. All right, so lineups. What do you guys got? Who would you? How would you set the lineup for game one? So, pretty simple. Um, it's going to stay the same. We got Trey, Adam, uh, Rendon, Soto, Howie, I go Cabrera, Victor Robles, Jan Gomes batting eighth. I don't understand how you can play the catcher who is hitting .05 in this postseason over someone who just hit 430 with an OPS over one in the NLCS. It's clearly obvious who's the better catcher here, and it's not Kurt Suzuki, and then pitcher night. So basically the same lineup they've been holding out, except for commit Tiago Cabrera. as a catcher. Yeah, and, and Cabrera. And Cabrera in to, place of yeah. Kendrick because he's DHing. Yep. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, uh, and obviously yeah, uh, Gums has like far yeah. superior. And, well, the pitcher wouldn't be hitting either, so. Yeah. I mean, you have the same top five, and then six. Do you have Cabrera? I would. Yeah. Sorry, I forgot about Cabrera. Um, yeah. Used to NL. Yeah. I, yeah. I go Cabrera six just because he's a veteran with a little more experience um, than Victor Robles. I think Victor Robles does pretty well being in the bottom of the order. So wait, no, mm-hmm. no pitcher. I go Robles nine. Yeah, I like that. I like kinda... basically a second leadoff. Right, kind of how we talked about uh, at the beginning of the year batting. I mean, obviously it's different in the NL without the DH, but Robles ninth. So yeah, you have that second leadoff guy. Hopefully, hopefully Robles gets on. Trey's essentially a two-hole hitter at that point, which we know he's historically better at. Um, so that should be able to uh, to lead you to some runs. I mean, we look at uh, Game Four. It was like the first time Trey and Eaton had got on in the first inning in the whole like playoffs and look at that we score seven runs in the first so if you can put uh less pressure on trade then good things will happen so yeah i like that robles yeah. batting ninth um oh, I forgot so, name also. <laughs> jesus ryan <laughs> um all so, in there. with it's suzuki part of that four hours of prep we do for this podcast every week is that uh with suzuki he's <laughs> is he just corbin's personal catcher or is it no, uh, I, I, I kind of, I kind of lose. He's Gomes the catching back. Personal catcher. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. I had it backwards. Yeah. So I, I really think you just roll with Gums because you're going to need your offense. I mean, you've had six days off, so hopefully Max and Strauss and whoever has been working with Gomes. I'm sure they work with Gomes and Suzuki at the same time, but with Gomes and Max in particular, just because Suzuki has typically been catching Max, I hope. They've been working 
uh, during this off time so that, I mean, you can play Gomes without really taking away from Max. Also, yeah, the Astros I, I think want that... free tacos, so they're going to be stealing, and you can't start the catcher who's 0 for 8 against people stealing <laughs> and point. hasn't thrown anyone out since yeah. late May. Um, when there's free tacos online, actually free tacos online, start Kurt Suzuki for one inning and then take him out and put John Gomes in. <laughs> Everybody loves free tacos. Yeah, you guys know I love Kurt Suzuki, and for a large part of the season, he was definitely offensively. No, I literally had no the better idea. option, but none whatsoever. But at this point, you got to go with the hot hand, and Gums has obviously been the hotter hand since the start of the postseason. So I, I agree with that. I do like the idea, like you said, Ryan, of putting Robles ninth. Um, I do think Trey Turner will benefit from potentially having people on base in front of him. And, uh, yeah, I think we're pretty much all in agreement. I think the Dozier-Cabrera um, question would just depend on what game you're in and what the matchup is. I mean, obviously having a switch hitter is, is a good thing in, against certain pitchers. And so I, I expect that's exactly what they're going to do is you're just going to see sort of a platoon from, uh, from Dozier and Cabrera during the times that we're in the American League part right. using Kendrick to DH. I mean, the thing with the Astros is, yeah, they have Wade Miley, but they left him off the ALCS roster, so I don't know how much he'll factor in, if at all, to the World Series. So the Astros pitching, or at least their starters, are all right-handers, so that would lead you to believe that they're going to play Cabrera more than Dozier just because Cabrera is a switch hitter. And it is nice to have Dozier as a defensive, you know, oh, yeah, for sure. in the game if you need to, yeah. Yeah. So it's the role they've already been using him in. Okay, well, that leaves us with the rotation. How do you guys line up the pitchers? It sounds like they've already made the announcement that they're just going to go with the typical Max Strauss, Corbin, Sanchez. Yeah, I would I would slip Sanchez and Corbin. I wouldn't throw Corbin until game four. Um, he would have a lot of days off between them, but Sanchez has given up one run in 12 innings. Patrick Corbin's given up 10 runs this entire postseason. And I feel like mm-hmm. he hasn't really been his normal self outside of a couple of really dominant innings. So I feel like there's less of a down, sorry, less of a risk with Amal Sanchez with the way he's been pitching than Corbin. But Corbin got this six-year big contract, so you know he's going to pitch in Game Three, and they're going to try to get him in there twice in the series if the series dictates it. So no objections to the rotation health. But I do not want to see him in Game Seven if it goes that far. I do not want. Oh no, if it's Game Corbin Seven, up. it's it's got to be Max and Strauss. I don't care when the last time they pitch. Yeah. yeah, no matter what. And obviously, when you're lining up a rotation for a seven-game series, you're thinking about if it goes seven, who's on the mound. Obviously, uh, that's what we see every single time. Um, I kind of agree with Ryan. I I would put Sanchez game three um, for two reasons. One. Uh, the first one being what Ryan said, the fact that Sanchez has been so damn good this postseason. But also, Corbin has come out of the bullpen several times this, this postseason. I was just about to say that. <laughs> so let's say like game one, for instance, Max gives you like six strong, say we have a lead or at the very least we're tied. You can go to Corbin there. And he's done it, I mean, obviously not, throughout his career, but uh, in the postseason, high leverage situations, he's come out of the bullpen, and he's been working on that because, obviously, that's what where they've needed him, where Sanchez has been just a starter. I'm sure if you work with Sanchez, he would be able to do that, but since you, the formula you've been using has already 
been working so well. I would flip Corbin to game four and you can use him in relief game one, maybe game two, and then he can mm-hmm. make his normal start game four. Yeah, I love that idea because, you know, for me, having just one lefty reliever is really, I mean, it's worked for us so far, obviously, but only because they've used Corbin in that role. And I think that I'll be surprised if they get through this series without having to use him in relief. So I think leaving yourself the maximum flexibility for that is the smart move. And like you said to Ryan, they may just do the conventional thing and and put him in the third game because he's a guy they paid $140 bucks, and, you know, they want him to be their third starter. But I think you just go with what works here. Don't worry about being unorthodox, you know? For sure. Yeah, I mean, you didn't get here by being orthodox doing the conventional thing. Like, look how they've used their starters so much and used basically just three relievers to get to the World Series. So now's not the time to get conventional. Yeah. Agreed. All right, so before we move on to um, talking about the break they've been on since they wrapped up the last series, let me take a moment to remind all of you people who are listening that we're doing this for the DMV Sports Network. We are part of their library of podcasts, and they have shows about all the major teams in town, um, even about that one that plays out in in Landover, if you're interested in that. Hmm. Um, You can I forget what they're called. Nobody pays attention to them anymore. We're not allowed to say their name anyways. <laughs> it's probably true. Um, so you can check those out. Um, you can find them at the website, dmvsportsnetwork.com. You can get links to the shows there, or you can get them wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, please be sure to um, subscribe to our show. We'd really appreciate it. And leave us reviews and interact with us online. We always love hearing from you guys. Okay, so let's talk about the – since there hasn't been much actually going on for the Nats since they wrapped up the uh, NLCS, um, this long break they're on, the conventional wisdom is that this is a bad thing and, you know, that you're going to get the rest versus rust argument. What do you guys think? Are you concerned about the amount of time they've had off? Yes and no. Um, history shows teams that have at least six days off before the World Series do not fare very well. I think the last two teams who had this many days off both got swept. Um, yeah, it's good for your your pitchers to get that rest to be fresh, but when they're going to make their starts, they're all going to have at least 10 days of rest. That's not pretty good. And like, yeah, you can go out and have your practices and everything, but that's not the same as being high-stress game situations and getting the same work on your arm. So whatever they're doing, yeah, it's great, but it's you can't replicate the same thing of being in the playoffs and the same for the hitters. Like your timing is going to be off a little bit. You're not seeing the same type of game situation. So, yeah, that is really unfortunate. That's why a part of me didn't want them to win it in four games because I knew they'd have this entire week off. On the flip side of it, you can't really use that as an excuse. Like, you got to find ways to get ready and just hopefully these pitchers that have been taxed this entire playoff come out just that strong because now they're a lot more fresher. Yeah, I think that's hard to argue with. Um, I wish it was like, obviously rest is good for our pitchers, especially with Max dealing with, I'm sure still a nagging injury and Strauss with his arm pitching this late into the season, which he's obviously never done before this many innings. I mean, he, before the playoffs even started, he had like eclipsed his starts and his innings career highs already. Um, so now he's only adding to that. So obviously rest for him is good. And then Corbin pitching in different situations and whatnot. Yeah, obviously it's very good. Um, but they're 
obviously, as we know historically, there can be such thing as too much rest. And I think we just were kind of flirting with that line of too much rest. So I hope that they're still working. Uh, I mean, I know they're still working, but obviously, like Ryan said, you can't replicate that in-game experience, even with a simulated game. It, there's just nothing like it, especially a postseason game. Um, so I know these guys will come ready. It's just will they have the same sharpness and effectiveness? That remains to be seen. Um, but, yeah, I, I would be a little bit worried about the rest. Yeah, I feel the same way. I'm sort of you know, concerned about it. But on the other hand, it's one of those utterly out of their control. So there's nothing they can do except, except try to stay ready. You don't want to like, hey, let's not sweep the NLCS because we're worried we might have too much rest before the World Series, you know. Obviously, closing out a series is the best thing you can do as quickly as possible. But uh, I do have some sort of lingering concern about it. But I think we'll know probably in the first game. And hopefully, if there is any rust because of the break, that they can shake it off in the first game. So if it's an issue, that it will only be an issue once. Right. And, I mean, you weren't – it's not like – you go out there in the NLCS and lose game four because you're like, hey, we don't want that many days off. Like, that, obviously, right, that's, exactly. not, that's not a thing. Like, you're going to clinch when you can clinch. You're not going to let it go on any further. Um, so, I mean, you, you take the hand that's dealt. Like, you can't control the ALCS. It, it ends when it ends. Um, so all, you, all, all they can do now is keep working, stay as sharp as they can. Um, we've read the articles about Juan Soto doing his late night hitting sessions with Kevin Long. So, oh, I mean, so awesome. clear, I love clear, that kid so much. <laughs> clearly, the mindset of this team is in the right place. Uh, they're playing loose. They're just trying to do what they can. Um, they're not taking it for granted. They're not out partying because um, obviously they know that it doesn't matter how many pennants you win if you don't have a ring to show for it. So. I mean, it seems like yeah. their head's still in the right place, so, I mean, that's really all you can ask. Except for that one night at the Caps game, which oh, I, I, I was there. went to, and I was, I was there. were you? Oh. I'm so jealous. Yeah. I almost oh, went great. to that, and then I didn't, and they did Baby Shark, and they played that video, and yeah. all the Nats were there. I was so jealous of the I will say, there. I mean, I haven't gone to many Nats games this year, um, but that time at the Caps game was the only time I participated in the Baby Shark dance, so just wanted to say that. I'm, I'm fully in. All right. They've swindled me. Congratulations. They swindled you. <laughs> I've been duped. <laughs> yep. Uh, all right. Well, let's take a few minutes to um, kind of examine the Astros in more detail. Ryan, you want to give us your uh, kind of analytical breakdown? Yeah. So baseball, especially regular season baseball, is a pretty regionalized sport. So you guys may not have seen that many games of the Astros played this season, but fear not. I'm going to break them down for you. Basically, the 2019 Astros are going to be remembered as one of the most dominant teams in MLB history. They are an absolute juggernaut. They say no team has good starting pitching, good bullpen, good defense, good offense. They never met the Astros. Um, they're the 13th team in MLB history to win at least 107 games. Baseball did not start before 1970, so they're the 16 to do so since then. Um, their rotation led the American League in war, ERA, and they led all of baseball in wins. And their ace, they have Garrett Cole. Um, industry sources believe that he is going to be, has a real shot to become the first pitcher to ink a $300 million contract 
He's 19-0 in his last 25 starts. The Astros have not lost a Garrett Cole start since July 12th, and he has a 1-8-6 ERA since May 22nd. That's right. It gets easier. Um, they have a top three pitcher this generation and the likely AL Cy Young Award winner in Justin Verlander, who in his last 15 starts has a 2.06 ERA. And then honing it down third is Zach Greinke, and over his last 30 starts, he has a 2.36 ERA. Usually when you have a rotation this dominant, your goal is get him out of the game, get to the bullpen, things get a lot better. Well, the bullpen was 6 in AL in war. They were 8th in ERA, and they also had the 5th least amount of blown saves in all of baseball. Their bullpen is very, very efficient and good. Um, but that's right. You know, their defense is not great. Uh, they're 6th in the AL in defensive rating. They're 1st in the AL in defensive runs save with 90. That is 20 more than the next best team. We saw their defense in full display in Game 6. Um, they had the least amount of errors in all of baseball. This team does not make mistakes on any side of the ball whatsoever. We saw with the two double plays that were absolutely unreal. This team's defense is remarkable. And then we move to their lineup, which these stats absolutely blow my mind. Um, their top seven hitters, they hit a combined 299-378-565 flash line. That's better than Mike Trout's entire 2014 MVP season. Um, their top seven hitters are basically just MVP after MVP because if one guy puts up those numbers, he's in the MVP conversation. They led all of baseball in batting average, on base, and slugging. They're third in baseball in home run and RBIs. They have the lowest strikeout rate in baseball and they have the highest walk rate. They also see more pitches per at-bat than any other team in baseball. There is no weaknesses with this roster. Luckily, games aren't played on paper, but this team is absolutely ridiculous. So the big question yeah. is, how did Nats beat this team? So well, I don't like that. That whole thing, <laughs> I didn't like that at all. So I know Ryan just threw a bunch at you, but like, let's just sum it up. Um, so the line for the World Series came out, like the Vegas, or it was Caesars line. Um, the Astros are minus 240 to win the World Series, which is the biggest line for a World Series favorite since 2007 in the Red Sox, who I believe swept that year. Um, Those of us who don't gamble, could you put that into yeah, person uh, parlance? So if it's like minus 100, it's about even. Like it's about 50-50. So the fact that okay. the that Astros are minus 240, they are heavy heavy favorites um and you could say oh well like ryan said games aren't playing on paper blah 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 blah. this has nothing to do with the nats really it's just the fact that the astros are and have been one of the best teams in mlb history this entire year it's yes the nats pitching rotation is great too their lineup has shown up uh this or off season, damn this postseason too. <laughs> like there's all these things going for the Nats, but the thing is, the Astros like majored in it. They they know what they're doing. They're if not the best, one of the top of their class. Whether it's pitching, uh, starting or relief, offense, defense, whatever it is, the Astros are masters at it. So this is a juggernaut in every sense of the word. I mean, 
this is a huge test, the toughest the Nats have faced all year, without a doubt. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it's not a knock on the Nats. It's just you really need to understand how good the Astros are because they are so yeah, literally one of the best teams. can be that much more impressed by what the Nats were able to accomplish. Yeah, it'll be a fairy yeah, tale, obviously. It's a huge uphill climb for the Nats. They are definitely the underdogs in this series. But nobody thought they could beat the Dodgers. Nobody thought they could even make the postseason. Oh, for you sure. Know, if, if they lose, there's no shame in it because they come further than anybody thought they could. And well, they're going up against a loser. <laughs> you're a loser. No, there's uh, you, you know, you're going up against a historically good team, not Man, just this season, but all time. Wow. Yeah, I mean, if the loser shoe fits, <laughs> if if the Nats do win this series, this is one of the biggest upsets in a very very long time in baseball. And the one thing the Nats do have going for them is that the Astros lineup this off season. I'm sorry, damn Nick, the Astros lineup this <laughs> yeah, season hasn't been that consistent. They've shown at times that they have been shut down by right-handed pitchings. They have a very, very right-handed heavy lineup and roster. So the Nats uh-huh. do have two elite right-handed pitchers, which plays very, very strongly into their favor. Um, so if the Nats are going to win this series, Max and Strauss have to be as dominant as they were in the NLCS to find a way to deal one of the games on the road, like, this is the ultimate playing with house money. We keep saying it, but literally nobody's expecting this to even be a series. Everyone thinks it's going to be a quick four or five game series, but it's all in the hands of the pitching. Max yeah. and Strauss are going to have to shove to push this series as far as they can, and we have some incredible pitching matchups. Right. We do. And I'll, and I'll tell you, you know, the Nats have been – this team has been carried by the starting pitching all year, and this series isn't going to be any different. They're going to have to rely on dominance from the starters. But I have to say, I watched almost every minute of that Astros-Yankees series, and the Astros lineup is fearsome, without a doubt. But they also didn't always bring in their runners. You know, they got shut down a few times. And I have to say, the Yankees got on base against against their, their pitching. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think I would put our lineup up against the Yankees lineup. So I... I while I know that the Nats are underdogs, and I, I'm not, uh, I'm not confident that they can win it for sure. I, I don't think they're going to be pushovers. I don't think it's going to be four or five games. No, no, no. I don't, I don't think so either. And uh, I only bring this up because I know you two are hockey fans as well. Um, but like, don't you see a lot of similarities between this year's Nats and like uh, the St. Louis Blues from? No, no, no. Well, the Caps is two because obviously f- defeating their demons um, in the Dodgers and the Cardinals. Yeah, that's similar to what the Caps did. But if you, for those of you who don't know hockey, the Blues were literally one of the worst teams in mm-hmm. hockey in like January. They, I believe they fired their coach. I could be wrong on that. And then they went on this huge second half run. And obviously they went on to win it all, but they went up against the Bruins in the Stanley Cup final who, I mean, the Bruins are one of the best team year after year in, in hockey. Right. Right. So I see a lot of similarities that with the Nats, we were 19 and 31 in May. And uh, obviously we know how that turned out. We had the literally the same record as the Tigers um, on like May 23rd or May 24th. And uh-huh. we're in the World Series. The Tigers won 47 games total. 
Uh, yep. <laughs> so that, that, yeah, that, it's amazing. Crazy. It could have gone the other way. And, you know, that's a huge credit for the Nats who held it together and came all the way back. I mean, all the way back from that to we're sitting here talking about their World Series pitching matchups. It's, it's a remarkable run. And like I said, whatever happens with this, I've always been so angry and disappointed when the Nats have lost in the postseason because it's always in the first round and you always have these massive expectations that didn't get met. This season, I just don't feel it the same. I feel like I'm so proud of this team. I'm, I love this Nats team more than I ever have any other any other Nats team. They're, they're so fun to watch. They, they came all the way back from that deficit. And whatever happens in this World Series, I'm going to enjoy every second of it. And it's obviously disappointing if they lose, but I, I still think it's one of the most remarkable accomplishments. Right. Just being and, here. And I mean, I'm guilty of this too, but you really need to take what you've experienced with Nats teams in uh, past history with their, their playoff performances or lack thereof, I should say. Um, and, and throw it away. Like, this is a completely different Nats team. Obviously, they've gotten farther than the Nats have ever gotten in their franchise history. Um, so you really just take what you know, throw it away, and then just root for your team. Because, I mean, I've been very pessimistic this whole season and that even in this, this postseason. But, I mean, this is a very different team. And, I mean, just because the Astros are a juggernaut doesn't mean everyone on their team is – uh, made to like perform under pressure. The World Series is pressure like no other. So you see the most consistent of guys in the regular season crack under pressure. I mean, look uh-huh. at Kershaw. Look at his narrative now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the Astros could easily have guys that don't perform well under pressure, and the Nats can take advantage of it. Yes, the Astros are yeah. heavy favorites, but there is a path to a World Series title, which is insane. But there is one. Yeah, and the pressure's on them. I really feel like the Nats, like we keep saying, it's such a cliche. They're they're playing with house money. They're not expected to win. They weren't expected to be here. The Astros have all the pressure now. You know, if they don't win the World Series, it's a huge disappointment. If the Nats do, it's a crazy surprise. You know, and, and I yep. think that the players feel that. I can see that. Yeah. Um, during that, Mandy, you mentioned about leaving runners on. Um, the Astros stranded 44 runners during the ALCS, and the Yankees stranded 48 runners during ALCS. So the Astros get on their weakness in this postseason because they left a lot of people on in the ALDS. That's only went through five mm-hmm. games. Has been hitting with runners in scoring position. So like this lineup is going to make you work, and they're going to get on. So if they mm-hmm. can keep finding ways, like the Yankees did, to strand them on base. Um, Again, it's going to go like Max and Strauss. That's going to be another key is finding ways to keep them from not being successful with runners in scoring position because if the Yankees hit a little bit better in runners in scoring position, they're probably still one, still playing, and also may have won the series also because they were horrible with runners in scoring position. So yep. Max and Strauss and stranding the runners. Don't let them get clutch hits like they did in their past postseason runs because if they do – I think if they're hitting with two outs and runners for position, it's going to be quick work. Yeah. And yeah. just to nitpick uh, on the flip side, like, yes, the Nats swept the Cardinals, but it wasn't the most picture picture perfect sweep you could have imagined. Like, yes, we no. won those, those first three games, but we won like two, zero, three, one, whatever it was. 
it mm-hmm. easily should have been like five or six run wins. We let, had a mm-hmm. lot of oppor- missed opportunities, a lot of runners left on base. Like, and I mean, I can't emphasize a lot enough because there were a lot. I think we went like one for 12 in game one with runners in scoring position. It was not good. So uh, yes, we won because our pitching was that dominant, but the Astros have dominant pitching too. So we, when we do get an opportunity, we need to make the most of it because obviously that was a huge problem we had regardless of a sweep or not. Yeah, absolutely. People only remember when you sweep a series, all they do is go, look, they swept, they just totally dominated them, but that's not what happened. There was Those games were close. There, you know, that, that was not a com- was more comfortable, easy win to, to get to the sweep. And that's not to take anything away from the accomplishment. It's just to say that that's, even though they swept a series, there was plenty of room for improvement. And uh, the leaving runners on is going to be, you know, if we can, if we can get those shutdown moments out of the, the pitching that strands their runners and we can manage to be just a little better than they are when we've got runners on. Because we've been getting runners on. Our offense, especially late in games, mm-hmm. has been extraordinary. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know the Nats had the best late inning offense in baseball this year. I and mean, they never give up. Yeah. And, Look what they've done with two outs. Like that's never been a Nats like trademark before, but like we've scored so many runs with two outs and like that's something you need to have uh if you're gonna make this post kind of postseason run. So yeah, yeah I mean absolutely. runners in scoring position, uh two outs, uh I mean runner on third, less than two outs, that's huge too. All those little things, I mean it's uh, extremely important when going up against uh, pitchers like the Astros. But, uh, I mean, we've talked about the pitchers uh, so much. You want to get into the matchups? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. So let's talk. The, the first three, it looks like we've already, we know exactly what they're going to be. We're going to have game one's going to be Max versus Garrett Cole. Uh, game two is going to be Strasburg versus Verlandel, Verlander. And game three is going to be Corbin and Granke, who know each other quite well, of course. Yeah, there's a lot so, of, oh, uh, well, I, uh, it was the Mark Zuckerman tweet, and obviously the the game, uh, the rotation, how they're lining up doesn't exactly fit for this. But Max and Verlander were uh, uh, teammates. teammates, and I mean Sanchez too, and then Corbin and Grinky were also teammates too. So there's a lot of like hidden storylines in here, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the, just the pitching matchups. These are these are just if you're a baseball fan, forget about whether you're an Astros or a Nats fan. These are unbelievable pitching matchups. What a fun series this is going to be, no matter which way it goes. Yeah, yeah. Sure. If baseball actually marketed pitchers, there'd be so much hype around these matchups, or marketed the game but, at all. Yeah, that that too. Right. Um, or put it somewhere other than PBS, yeah. maybe. So we could. <laughs> yeah, with terrible announcers. Um, these are four four of the best five pitchers in baseball are going at it. Um, Max Cole, Strauss, Verlander, two Hall of Famers, two people who are building who are building their case for the Hall of Fame every single outing. It doesn't get much better than this, and it's happening on the biggest stage against you know the one team that's been the most dominant team in baseball the last three years against the team nobody expected. It's a beautiful, beautiful writing on the wall, matchup, whatever you want to call it. Um, absolutely love it. Very excited. I think it will get interesting after that because the Astros did a bullpenning last night, and Justin Verlander was not very happy about it. So I do not think they ever do that again. So <laughs> I can see a series where they just ride their big three over and over again until 
the lights are out until the series is just finished. So that could also play a pretty big factor down the road as well. And that could be an advantage to the Nats because they have a big four. I mean, I really do put Sanchez in that group. He has been extraordinarily good. Through the, through the end of the regular season, he was great. But in this postseason, he's been otherworldly good. I mean, you can't take – if you took our top four and we have four guys, we can ride hard like that, and they have only three. I think that if they're putting their guys in on short rest and the, the series goes long and our, we've got more rest on our starters than they do, I think that could play a really big role in the in the back half of this series yeah and typically the astros have a organizational philosophy not to pitch their starters on short rest they only pitched garrett cole on short rest in the alds because obviously it was a game five and if you have arguably the best pitcher in baseball and garrett cole uh, available uh and like rested enough to pitch game five in an elimination game, you're going to pitch him. Um, but we haven't seen them go to a three man rotation at any other point um, throughout the the playoffs. And like Ryan said, they did a bullpen game last night and granted this may, this is a world series. So this may be different uh, from their normal philosophy that you might see Verlander and Cole, maybe Grinky on short rest. Um, but typically they don't do that. So we very well, we very well might see a bullpenning game just because they're so averse uh, typically to pitching their, their stars on short rest. All three of them did pitch on short rest in the uh, ALCS. That was a game Cole walked five people. Didn't go with any runs, but five people for Garrett Cole being walked is like the worst start of his career. Verlander went on short rest. He gave up four runs in the mm-hmm. um, at Yankee Stadium in the first inning and then Frankie did it as well, where he struggled at first, but he did settle in. So, especially now being in the World Series, they're all everyone. Everyone's going to be available for both sides on short rest, regardless of when the last time they pitched. Like I said earlier, because there is no tomorrow after this series. Like you have to win and yeah, die with the best players. You can players. rest all off season. <laughs> exactly. You have, you have six months after this week to rest up and everything. Pitch until your arm falls off. It's the World Series. There is no tomorrow. Every game's do or die, and I'm jacked up for it. I am jacked up for it, too. I actually hope maybe that they go to their guys on short rest instead of bullpenning because I think that you saw in that last series that they can be be a little more vulnerable in that situation. And, you know, if our – if our lineup can take advantage of an inning or two where they're not at their best because they're on short rest, then that could be the difference in a game. I thought uh, with the the rain out that they had that it ended up being Verlander and Cole were on their normal rest. Was I wrong? I think they were they all one had... day short. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that was my bad. I thought the, the rain delay put them back to normal rest. So uh, hand up. I was wrong. All right, so are we going to make series predictions? Well, I wait, Ryan. You said no. Well, I I do I don't do series predictions because it's worked so far. But if I did do series prediction, it wouldn't be a good series prediction for the nap. So Nick, take it away, champ. I'm going to let Amanda go first. Oh, oh, oh okay. Nats okay. in six. Ooh. You Homer. <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Somebody's oh, got to do it. If I'm wrong, that's okay with me. But I'm 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 rolling with my guys. I have faith in these guys. They've surprised us all. We have on this podcast been so negative and counted them out so many times, and they they've proved us wrong. We didn't think they. Wait, how many times did we say there's 
Yeah, it was, but we were wrong, and they, they came back and did it. So they can do things we don't think they can do. So I'm going math and six. Well, now you guys are both sticking to what you've always been doing, yeah, like, all, all season. Bold. So now I feel like I should stick <laughs> with what I've been doing and pick, like, the Astros to sweep or something. Um, Mr. Negativity in the house. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, I'm going to stick with my bold one. So this series is going seven. And that seventh game, the Nats will pull it out. That would be amazing, except except I'm going to be on an airplane for game seven that night. So it can't oh, go seven. Oh. I mean, like you play it terribly. It won't. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I didn't think when I booked this trip the Nats were going to be playing in game seven of the World Series. Sounds like a personal defense. problem. Um, and while we're doing predictions, can we do a World Series MVP prediction? Because I have another bold yeah. one. Yeah, let's do it. Let's hear your bold prediction. Well, can I go last again? No, you have to go first this time. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> Man, I'm so I'm just not used to this, and you'll hear why in about 10 seconds. The World okay. Series MVP for your 2019 World Series champion Washington Nationals will be Ryan Zimmerman. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hell has frozen over. It has. Tell me what happens in this series that makes Ryan Zimmerman the World Series MVP. I'm not going to say he has, like, the best overall numbers. Like, I'm not going to say he has the highest batting average, most home runs, most RBIs, anything like that. But when the game needs him to perform, he has every single time this postseason. And I think that continues in the World Series. And obviously, there's no bigger stage than the World Series. So I think he has two clutch home runs. He plays lights out defensively at first, and he when the Nats need a hit, it, it can be the little things too. Like let's say Cole cruises through the first three innings or whatever, first four innings, um, and then Zim gets the hit to start off the rally. Like it's going to be things like that. You're always going to hear Zim's name um, coming. Like he does always through. show up in the big moment. You've always right, he's he, been a guy who performs in the big moment. Right, like Howie in the Dodgers series, yes, he had the grand slam, but earlier in the game, he had the single to kind of break up Walker Bueller's mm-hmm. like momentum too. It's the little things like that that I think Zim is going to do very, very well in the World Series. I mean, he's the longest tenure Nat. He's the only one from the X. Oh, no. No, he wasn't an Expo, right? He was a Nat. He's the first player drafted as a Nat. Yeah, that's what yeah. But, I mean, he's the longest tenured Nat. He's been waiting for this literally his whole career. He knows he doesn't have much time left. So I think he leaves it all out on the field, and he does a damn good job, and he is your World Series MVP. So color me shocked that you picked the Nats at all, let alone Zim, to be MVP. But do you think if that happens, does Zim ride off into the sunset and retire? Or does he try to come back next year? Oh, my God. That's tough. That's really tough. I wasn't. Because if I were him, I think I would ride off into the sunset. If I, I win the World Series and get named yeah, MVP, I'm like, that's it. I'm going out on top. Yeah. I think I would, too. I mean, he's dealt with so many injuries this season. And, yes, he's healthy at the right time, and thankfully he is, because I definitely don't want to see Matt Adams play at first base at all. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I would agree. If he, if they win and he has the series he has, like, there's no better moment to, to retire. So I, I think, yeah, I think you see him retire. 
All right, what about you? What's your uh, MVP prediction, Ryan? So if I did serious predictions, which I don't, so I'm going to do one for both teams. Um, if I predicted, that's a cop out. Yeah, you guys so, say I cop out. This is such a cop no, out. No, 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 no. Ryan has come out and said he has not. He does not do serious predictions, and he stuck with it. You cop out on like the most random questions. Go ahead, King. A cop Thank out you, is sir. a cop out. I'm just. Uh, <laughs> um, hold on, I just dropped my. I just dropped my headphones. All right. So, um, <laughs> if I predicted the Astros to win the World Series MVP would be Garrett Cole. He, he would have an absolute dominant game one, and then we would see Madison Bumgarner World Series level against the Royals coming out of the bullpen and just having a ridiculous outing again. Um, but if the Nats were to win, it's going to be on the dude who wants to keep putting his name on the map and wants to cre- keep increasing that big paycheck that's coming his way. Fair. Anthony Rendon trying to prove that he is on the same level as Alex Bregman. I think if the Nats were to win, he would have a monster series. I was going to say Ryan Zimmerman, but I can't copy because that's just not as fun. <laughs> so I would say Anthony Rendon. Follow the All right, well, to keep this, Yeah, I think that, yeah, we're going to need a big series out of Rendon if they're going to win. But my pick for MVP if they win is going to be Mr. Juan Soto. I think he's going to figure it out and come back. He did not have a great series in the NLCS. I, I thought he looked kind of out of no, the a couple of times. And, you know, I don't know what was going on with them. I think if you read that article on the Washington Post, and for those of you listening, if you haven't read it, I really recommend it. It was really interesting. But um, he basically said he's getting pitched a ton of off-speed, and, you yep. know, he, he loves the fastball, and so he's really having to make some adjustments. And, you know, he's had to do that all year, but now he's facing the best teams in baseball night in and night out, and, and it's been a bit of a struggle for him, I think. But my prediction is he figures it out. He has a monster series, and uh, he wins at – he will be 21 on at game three, so he'll be barely 21. He'll win the World Series MVP for the Nats. I'm worried about Juan Soto this series just because the Astros are the most advanced team analytically in baseball. He's not going to get a single fastball. Exactly. He's not going right. to get any, anything to hit. And even when he does, he's not going to be in the right groove to like be ready for it. So I'm worried about him. I think he'll be fine because he's a damn good baseball player, but I am a little worried about him in particular. I think he's going to figure it out, Scott. You know, maybe he won't. Maybe they, I think you're right. He's going to see maybe not one fastball, but if he gets any, it's not going to be much. Um, they, they, I think a lot of the scouts and the analytics people have figured him out, and he's going to have to make some adjustments. But it sounds like he understands what's happening, and he's such a good hitter, and he's such a smart ball player. I think he's going to make the adjustments and figure it out. I sure hope so. Me too. Okay, so... That brings us to our Who's Mad of the Week. Ryan, what do you got? Yeah, so I didn't really piss anyone off this week. You know, just kind of my clout is just unreal. Um, I was just gloating <laughs> in the fact that the Nats swept and have more pennants, more pennants, you know, this year than the Braves have won playoff series since 2001. Um, so this one goes out to all the Yankee fans who absolutely embarrass themselves the ones who you saw throwing a beer can at the guy using the bathroom, the ones who threw the beer at the Astros fan who had to be escorted out by security, and all the Yankee fans on Twitter who wish death threats on Chapman, uh, boo John Carlos Stanton, even though the Yankees were undefeated in games John Carlos Stanton played in, 
um, and all those other people who once again prove that Yankee fans are the absolute worst in all of baseball. And oh, and the people who mocked Zach Greinke for his anxiety and yeah. issues with depression. Didn't like um, that. And all of yeah, those did not people like that. who, yeah, I mean, it's just absolute trash. You prove why everyone hates your fan base and why everyone loves to celebrate when you lose. And for that, we thank you. <laughs> we yes. thank you. I think you. couldn't have said it better you. than that. There was someone on Twitter, and I can't remember who she was. I think she's a comedian, but she lives in Texas, and she was in New York City for uh, something during the, the game last night. She said her husband texted her uh, right after the game ended and said, go down to the hotel bar immediately and describe for me all of the sad Yankees fans that you find there. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, pretty much everyone else in the country who's reveling in the sadness of Yankees fans. They really are insufferable. And uh, the, I was hoping for a lot of reasons that we would face the Yankees instead of the Astros because I think the Yankees are more beatable for the Nats than the Astros are. But not the least of which was that everyone in America would have been rooting for the Nats except for Yankees fans. I mean, at least the Astros are likable. Um, and it's yeah. not going to be like a really annoying series where you have to deal with an absolutely toxic fan base for an entire series. So that also is a little bit better. Yeah, it yeah, should be and it, a, a good World Series regardless of uh, the outcome. Yeah. Yes. It will be a better World Series, though, if the Nats win. That will be better. Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I will enjoy that more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you guys got anything else before we wrap up? Uh, let's go one and out. There's the fight. Let's go yeah. 1-0 on Tuesday, fellas. Let's do it. Okay, so I think that will do it for us. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. We appreciate you listening as always. Please be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us reviews. We always appreciate it. Again, you can find me on Twitter at awhite7877. You can find Nick and Ryan at DC Natchak and the show at Half Street High Heat. And don't forget to check out the dmvsportsnetwork.com and you can follow them on Instagram and Twitter at dmv underscore sn. You guys have a good week. I guess we will catch up. Well, Sunday's a game, so we'll have to figure out when we're going to record again because I've got tickets to all uh, yeah. three home games. May, yeah, maybe in between... Like the the travel day. So what is that? Wednesday? Maybe Wednesday? I think no Thursday. 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 Yeah. So maybe Thursday, but we'll see. We'll tweet it out from the uh, the Half Street High Twitter. Yeah, we'll figure it out. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. Go Nats. Let's later. The Nationals celebrate to the left of the mound. They come streaking out of the bullpen, and we'll say it now. Remember where you are, so you remember where you were. When you heard the Nationals have won the National League Championship and they will play for the World Championship, the World Series to begin next Tuesday night in a place to be determined, Houston or New York. Daniel Hudson gets the final four outs. He fires his glove to the backstop as he did when he secured the final out in the wild card game. The Nationals 19 and 31, and they have stormed through the postseason, winning three elimination games and then sweeping the Cardinals. And the Nationals are going to the World Series. There'll be World Series baseball in Washington, D.C. for the first time since 1933. What a moment.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.